Hello and welcome to The Culture Bar, a panel discussion podcast exploring the arts and music world. In this podcast, we wanted to shed light on some of the brilliant organisations that Harrison Parrott are lucky to work with and the amazing things that they do to champion diversity and inclusion within the arts. I'm delighted to say that for this podcast, I'm joined by Josie Dobrin, Executive Chair and Founder of Creative Access. Welcome to The Culture Bar, Josie, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Would you be able to start by explaining what Creative Access is for people who don't know and what your role is at Creative Access? So Creative Access is a social enterprise. We've been going, coming up for 12 years and our mission is to support people from communities that are underrepresented across the creative industries to enter and thrive in the creative industries. So we work with all sorts of organisations from big household names right through to small independent organisations, the length and breadth of the UK. And what we do is, everything we do is geared to two things, to supporting people to access the creative industry so that might be through mentoring programs through outreach through um, recruitment into intern paid internships and beyond and then once they're in there to thrive so that's supporting the whole workforce to make sure they can create an inclusive environment and also supporting individuals to make sure that they themselves can reach their full potential through training through monthly masterclasses, through access to um, peer support networks mental health and well-being bursary funds etc um, and what is your and, and what's your sort of title and role within Creative Access? So I'm one of the founders and um, I was chief executive up until last September and I'm now executive chair. So I'm still working full time, but allowing me a bit more time to work on special projects and partnerships like this one. So because yeah, the, the, one of the most obvious um, the uh, points of our relationship that comes to mind for me is the internships. Like that's that's for Harrison Parrot, that's a big thing for us. But like you said, um, in your previous answer, there are so many other elements to Creative Access and what they provide for Harrison Parrot. Yeah, so we really cherish our relationship with Harrison Parrot. It's a really important one for us. And I think for us, the most successful partnerships are ones where there is a sort of wholehearted approach to inclusivity. So you're not just trying to um, solve any issues you have through one intervention, but it's looking across the board at all different things you can do to create an inclusive workplace, many of which we've work with Harrison Parrot and different touch points. So as you mentioned, the internships. So for us, that is kind of what we're best known for. It's a real flagship part of our offering. Um, and I think I was just checking before, we've placed 14 people to date with Harrison Parrot, which is really brilliant. Many of whom are either still with you and progressing through their careers or working through in the industry and in other organisations, which is fantastic. Um, and that's the key is making sure that once people are in post to supporting them to progress through. Um, but we've also done loads of training with you. I was just looking back. We've done multiple um, workshops for you on everything from embracing neurodiversity to building resilience to managing microaggressions. Even this morning, we're doing something on inclusive interviews. So, And I think that's a real reflection on your commitment to sort of embed equity and inclusion within the organization and recognizing that it, there's no it's there's no straightforward solution it's very much a kind of journey rather than a destination exactly yeah exactly it's i know it's it's very important for harrison parrot and it matches a lot of our goals as well with the harrison parrot foundation you know our main goal with that foundation is to you know promote inclusivity within the arts and everything that creative access does you know tick so many of those boxes for us and that's why we're, we're so happy and proud to have that relationship with you guys we really I mean we were absolutely loved being part of your 50th anniversary celebrations and it was one of my proudest moments hearing your team on stage at the South Bank talking about our partnership and it was you know really special and you know we're really grateful for your involvement and the foundation in particular 
So how does the relationship work between Harrison Parrot and Creative Access? So there's lots of different touch points and I think one of the strengths of our relationships is that we work with numerous people within the organisation. So obviously our, our Director of Recruitment, Anushka, works very closely with Nicole and her team to identify opportunities for people coming through in all different teams like we place people in accounts in marketing and all different opportunities so but we also I work closely with Lorna and other people within the organization and um, the rest of the team so I think that it's really about ensuring that when you have an idea for something whether it's filming your your 50th anniversary celebrations or thinking about ideas for work experience that we can have that open relationship and work together um, to really think about how do we curate something that works best for you and I think as I said the strength of the relationship is that it's not so formulaic we can actually be we have some sort of flagship things that we do together but then we can also work to identify new and upcoming and opportunities that might be a good opportunity for the team or for people coming through into the industry. Up to this day our relationship has been so fruitful and and so amazing but what how do you see that relationship moving forward into the future? So we really hope that we'll continue to work with you. I mean, there are always things that crop up that we don't expect. I and mean, we only need to take the last three or four years to understand how the situation is evolving. And we're we're facing situations that we cannot and did not anticipate. Um, so looking forward, I think that it's just remains upon us both to be agile and flexible of looking at how we can really have the maximum impact because ultimately that's the goal here so um, we're not trying to boil the, boil the ocean we're looking at kind of understanding your strategic priorities and how we can work towards them. So in your opinion Josie what are the main barriers facing inclusivity within like the music industry um, currently? So that's it's a tough question. There's a lot going on here. Obviously, arts education and music education is really problematic. Um, and I think that that is something that needs to be systematically and systemically introduced and, and tackled within the, the whole sector. Um, other things that I think are problematic are career pathways. So... We're not seeing visible, transparent career pathways always in the sector so people can understand an entry opportunity, but where do they go through from here and where do they, how do they get to senior levels and how do they see people from the communities that we're working? And by that, I mean people who are from lower socioeconomic backgrounds, from ethnic or racialized minority groups, people with disabilities, um, people who've grown up in care leavers, caregivers, people who've come to the UK as refugees or asylum seekers, etc., they're not seeing role models at senior levels and I think that exacerbates where we can go with where how people feel that it's an, a career path for them. Um, I can keep going, there's so many other challenges. Cost of living is obviously a big problem at the moment. Um, we find that increasingly parents are encouraging their children to go for jobs and sectors that are perceived to be less risky and more secure. Um, albeit in something that they may not aspire to work in, like retail or hospitality. Um, mental health, big, big problem for us at the moment. I'm not sure if you've seen the latest reports from the CDC, which is the biannual youth survey, which was really quite shocking. They, they show that most teenage girls, so that's 57%, experience persistent feelings of helplessness, which is up from 36% in 2000. 11 and 36 percent have seriously considered suicide which is up from 19 percent so that's really really heartbreaking and i think that as a sector 
and as an economy we have a real duty of care towards young people um we're working really hard to kind of support our interns and our employee community with a team of clinics clinical psychologists but it is one of the biggest issues in my view facing the creative industries another thing and this is, i'll stop there but we talk um after this final point which is Disability is also increasing on everybody's radar, especially neurodiversity. And we know that um, one in seven of us is neurodiverse. I suspect it's probably quite a lot higher than that. And I think a lot of people who don't have a formal diagnosis, but they, that characteristics that are articulated really resonate with them. And I think that increasingly we need to create a workforce where it's not a one size fits all approach and that actually we can really embrace different thinking styles and think about how people can really bring their best selves to work and reach their potential. We see lots of challenges with people, for example, um, worrying about socialising with staff, struggling to meet deadlines, preferring to work from home. And a lot of this is just because people, there's that intersection between mental health and neurodiversity. And I think that it's a new emerging area that as a as a workforce we need to be much more aware of and understand how we can support our staff to to retain staff and to, pro to progress and you know really reach their absolute potential yeah because it does feel like we've come on leaps and bounds in 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 the, these areas so much over the last sort of five years of of personally me being in the industry gosh i've seen so much improvement with 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 all the problems we've, we've discussed but they're still there like the problems are still there and i almost think that for organizations it should it makes sense that it's just automatically on their radar and i know for a lot of organizations especially big organizations it is but it just feels like it should be across the board that just something that is is a part of the organization's you know ethos and and the way they do things i think that's right um it needs to be embedded within the organization across everything from output to your marketing your website to the way that you recruit to the way that you do your performance management across the way that you liaise with your artists across the board i mean we do we're an impact driven organization creative access and so a lot of what we do is really making sure that all our interventions have a really tangible output that actually makes a difference going forward and we do a lot of surveys as a result of that um, of our community and the most recent one showed that only a quarter of people with who, who have a disability identify as having a disability have access to the to the networks and the concepts they want, which compares with sixty eight percent of the wider the group that we spoke about, and eighty eight percent say that they want their employers to have a better understanding of what reasonable adjustments could be implemented in the workplace, which is huge. So I think there is a lot of work still to be done um, across the board for organisations to really reflect the needs of their workforce. One other thing I would say is that I think there's a real um, mismatch between what people understand reasonable expectations are and actually the reason that they are called reasonable adjustments is because they have to be able to be reasonable. You still need to be able to do your job at the same time. So there is a bit of matching that needs to work between the expectations of the individual and the expectations of the employer and the power balance of power needs to be equal between the two. So it's it's a real challenge and as you said it's something that's much more quite rightly on our radar in recent years but it's an area that we expect to be doing a lot more work in. We've talked a lot about what organisations can do to support inclusivity within the arts but what can an individual uh, do themselves? So individuals can do a lot and I always believe that change starts from the individual. So aside from being 
what we call an ally. So educating yourself about everything from Black Lives Matter to understanding gender reassignment to understanding newer diversity. And this is the kind of thing that you can take upon responsibility upon yourself to read, listen, um, you know, really educate yourself so that you can be an ally to other communities. But I also think there's an opportunity for people at whatever level to, be, to start mentoring, for example. So again, I talked about um, the research that we've done in our community and over 80% consistently say in every survey that we do that they want, one of the biggest things that they want is access to a senior individual who can support them to progress their career. And you can't underestimate how important it is for somebody who has never worked with anybody from a professional organization to have access to that person, perhaps once a month for six months. Um, we run lots of different mentoring programs for individuals from our partner universities, for young people looking to access careers, for our alumni who are looking for support to progress through. So I'd really urge people to sign up as a mentor. It's not a huge commitment and you'll get training as a mentor um, and you'll be matched with somebody who has similar skills and experience to the thing that you're hoping to offer and it's a great way to sort of understand from a reciprocal perspective not just for you giving your benefit of your own experience but also to understand the perspective of people coming into the industry now who don't have it um you know who, who will be approaching things from a different way to perhaps you have and mentoring is a great way for somebody who's really senior and really experienced at the top of their game right through to somebody who may have only worked for a couple of years but actually has really good insights as to how they themselves have come in so i'd really encourage encourage people to sign up as a mentor if they can is there any criteria for that do you have to have worked in the industry for a certain length of time or like is there any criteria to be a mentor so because we run multiple different mentoring programs we would always seek to manage to match more experienced people with perhaps our alumni community and or for any of the programs with whom uh, we're working with people who are already working within the sector but for people who are more junior so if they've only been working for a year or two they still have really valuable insights to offer perhaps those who are still at university so we have a lot of partner we work with a lot of universities um, Kingston, Loughborough, London South Bank etc where they're students from on their widening participa participation programs have lower graduate outcomes than the their regular student cohort so one of the things that we offer to them is to match their students with a mentor who can support them to achieve their professional goals cool. so, so it doesn't really matter what stage no, you're at you don't need to have really the main criteria you have if you've got that you've got to have the interest the capacity and the um, a degree of experience to sign up. And I when I talk about capacity, it's we're l the rough commitment is an hour a month for six months plus a training session. It's really not a lot of time, and you could have such a huge impact on that person's career pathway. It's, it's you could have a huge impact on them, and they could have a huge impact on you. I just think it's really enriching to work with somebody who is trying to access or enter their career. It's a really rewarding experience, so it definitely works both ways. Definitely. I was, like. I feel like there are just so many different layers to creative access and what you guys do that sometimes gets forgot not, not forgotten about, but there are the obvious things that you guys do. But then there are so many other things beyond that that you guys do to champion inclusivity. And it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you're, you've hit the nail on the head there. It's a challenge for us because as a small organisation, there are so many things that we want to do and there's so many things that we could do, but we have to sort of keep focused on the impact. There's a few things going forward that we really want to specifically support so we know there's a big issue for example in the freelance community who especially people from backgrounds that are underrepresented across the creative sectors because 
they don't have employers to back them. So what, what we find is a lot of people have less likely to get access to training and to professional develop, development opportunities. So one of the priorities for us is to, to really consider how we can support the freelance community going forward and make sure that they can have access to mentors, for example, or to um, mental health and wellbeing support and to training. So we're looking at ways to really consider how to target interventions to particular groups. I mentioned disabled individuals before, and we know that they are triply often disadvantaged, so double or triply disadvantaged, so it's really thinking about how to do that. And you're right, there's lots of things that we do, and the challenge for us is to keep on track and make sure that everything we're doing has the biggest impact possible and that um, we can continue to evolve and make sure that our partners are up to speed. And and it's really, you know, for us, one of the biggest things is that working across different creative sectors means we can learn. So what the foundation does, the Harrison Parent Foundation, might be a really great um, template for what another organisation perhaps working in publishing or in advertising might do and vice versa. So um, there's lots of learnings from different industries. And one of the things that in particular that we notice is that there's some sectors, for example, in film or in television where there is a real compulsion. So in other words, you're not going to secure funding from the BFI or from Film 4 or for um, BBC Film Fund unless you can demonstrate that you've hit certain diversity criterion, which might be taking on interns. It might be a percentage of your team being from particular backgrounds, etc. And I think that's a really interesting model because it means that an organisation is really forced to consider how they represent themselves to their audiences and how they reflect them so there's lots of different learnings from different sectors coming forward yeah and i know arts council do that as well don't they with um with orchestras it's um uh from working with the philharmonia they had to um you know with their programming they had to have a certain number of female composers or female conductors or or not just obviously female but making sure that it's very uh, you know a diverse program which in classical music um, is you know as we know is is quite difficult sometimes because programming remains very what can I say you've got you know your Mozart Schumanns you know you know it's it's yeah. it's difficult you're absolutely right and I think classical music does pose challenges but there's also some really wonderful musicians coming through that increasingly that we're seeing that are tremendous role models to people coming through in the classical music world and I think that's just and you know we've got the Chinaki Orchestra and so many other things so I think that there is a real opportunity to think about how to make the industry as equitable as possible and and it's thanks to organizations like Harrison Parrot that we are really starting to see a change that doesn't mean to say there's not you know lots of work to be done but I think it pro, real progress has been made. If anyone wants to find out more information about creative access where's where's the easiest place to find that information? Um, well, we're on all sorts of social media platforms, TikTok, most recently, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and of course our website, uh, creativeaccess.org.uk. Awesome. And please feel free to email me directly. And thank you so much for having me. I've really, really enjoyed this opportunity. And as I said, we really value our relationship with you. So I'm very grateful to the invitation today. And that is it for this episode of the Culture Bar podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. I'd like to thank Josie for joining us for this particular podcast. You can visit harrisonparrot.com and creativeaccess.org.uk for more information. Do also take a look at the rest of our podcast for more on important topics in the arts and music world. See you soon.